to Romans chapter 7, verse 14. As we continue making our way through Romans, today I want us to look at that as Paul was writing to the believers at the church in Rome, he goes, comes to them at three different ways to try to explain what was going on and he comes up with the same conclusion every time. When we look at our life today, I believe we can be exactly what was being written in Romans 7 verses 14 through 25. Have you ever, like me, and I'll be the first one to admit it, have you ever struggled with sin? You don't want to do it. You know it's wrong, but every time you turn around, there you are, sinning again. Let's look at what Paul was writing to them, because I'm, I'm excited that we're at this point in Romans, because this is kind of a very pivotal point for us, because we're going to look at some, some grim things here today, but we're going to look at something that maybe can help us. But jumping off next week, Romans 8, we start getting into some great, great stuff. So if you would stand with me as we turn to God's Word, Romans chapter 7, verse 14 and following, if you would just read along with me. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I'm not practicing, what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man... But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other... My flesh, the law of sin. Father God, thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you will open our hearts right now, Lord, that you will speak to us the truth of your word, that Holy Spirit will have freedom. Father, that our hearts will be softened to the Holy Spirit, our ears would be open to you, and that, Lord, we would hear you, that, Father, we would understand. And, Father, that my flesh would step aside and, Lord, that I may be a vessel to be used by you, Father, to proclaim your message this morning. And, Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. 
This morning, I just want us to work our way through the text and begin to understand what it was that he was writing. If we were honest with ourselves, I'm not going to have any show of hands because I probably already know the answer. But if we're honest with ourselves, we could have been the very ones who wrote this very thing. What it is, uh, maybe we could even say we've gone back some 2,000 years if they would have had back then, I don't know, a personal journal. Do any of you have personal journals? Maybe you've seen them, maybe you did when you were a little child and you would write down your secret thoughts and hope that no one would ever find them. Well, Paul wrote this down for all to hear, but I believe this is a snapshot out of his personal journal as he begins to describe an innermost struggle within himself. I want to do good, but I can't. I don't want to do these things, and I keep doing them. What is it? Am I a failure? No. So let's look at three different ways as we see in here in Scripture, as he's trying to explain to himself, I believe, and to the Romans, and what he comes up with out of this. We begin in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. What is he talking about there? You have a, most of your Bibles probably have a capital L. Law is spiritual. He's talking about God's law. What do we know about God's law? God's law is good. God is spiritual. It's from a spiritual nature. God created the law. We've been talking in weeks past. Is the law good? Is the law bad? Because of the law, I know that I sin and that sin is there because of the law. And he was saying, no, it's a good thing. And here he's saying that the law of God is spiritual. It's good. God created it. It's holy. But then he says, but I am of flesh. I am of this earthly, decaying flesh. Do you know the reason that we are born and then we die? Because this flesh that was once created perfect was tainted by sin. And every one of us are born into sin. And that is the reason that the moment we're born, we begin dying. This flesh goes away. We have funerals and the flesh is here. If we were to go out into the cemetery and we're not going to do this and we were to dig up bodies in a cemetery, the flesh is no longer going to be there. The flesh he's talking about here is the human nature, the sin that's within him. But he says the law is spiritual, but he said, I'm a flesh. He said, I'm sold into bondage. It's the first thing in your outline. We're sold to sin. Now here Paul is writing and he's not going to get away from the idea that he sinned. We're all in here know that we have sinned. The moment we have sinned, we have sold ourselves into bondage to sin. <clears throat> it becomes a nature of who we are. When we're born and we act on that sin and we know about that sin because the law tells us that it's sin. In verse 15, he says, For what I'm doing, I do not understand, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do, 
but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But what I'm doing, I don't understand. It's a conflict within him that he's bouncing back and forth. In his mind, he wants to do, he says, I want to do good, but I do the very thing I hate. He hates sin. He knows what's within him. I believe we're there. We know what sin is. As a believer, this is where we become separated from lost people. Lost people sin, believers still sin. But the difference is, is we hate the sin. We don't want to do the sin. You understand how that makes us different and it, it lines us up with that in what our will is. Thank you. It lines us up and it tells us something about ourselves. Here's the, the good news on this. The good news is, is if you don't want to sin, then there's probably something good within you. You see, the world, the lost people, they don't care. That's just sin. The more sin, the merrier. But as believers, we don't want to. But he says there that he doesn't understand that he's practicing not doing what he wants to do. What does he want to do? He wants to serve the Lord. What do we want to do? If we're honest, we want to serve the Lord, right? Well, why can't we do that? I mean, come on. Scripture tells us that the moment we accept Christ, we become a new creation. But yet we're still going back and we're still sinning. That's what he says. He says, I don't understand this. And then verse 16, he says, but if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. If I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law. What did we say last week? Do you remember what is the purpose of the law of God? To tell us what sin is. God set an example for us. God gave us a law and he gave us a law that we cannot in the human flesh keep perfectly. If we could keep the law, then we would have no need for the Savior. But the Savior came. God gave his son and because of that death, this law tells us that we missed the mark because otherwise we wouldn't know. How would you love to have an exam? And I'm going to give you an exam and you must pass it. Or you can't go home today. You can't have lunch. You have to stay right here in this room until you pass it perfectly. But I'm not going to tell you what the answers are. I'm not even going to tell you what the question is. Could you do it? Well, that's what life is. We're dead and bound for hell in sin until we know that we're sinners. That's the reason God gave us the law, to tell us that we were sinners so that we could then confess. And he says here that if I do the very thing I don't want to do, I agree with the law. He's agreeing that the law is good. He's agreeing that what he done is sin. And he says that the law is good. But here's what he comes up with out of this. He says, so now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. There it is. It's no longer I am the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Why is it no longer him doing it? Because he's a new creature. 
He's a new creation in Christ. He's been given a new life. But he still struggles. And it's no longer him that's doing the acting, but the sin that's in him. Because in his will, he don't want to. But the sin rears its ugly head and it makes him do it. So maybe we could say, since it's sin that dwells in him, we know that sin comes from Satan. So Satan made him do it. But do you hear and hear where he never relinquishes the responsibility? Satan didn't make him do it and he had no choice in the matter. He said at the very beginning, sold into bondage to sin. He said, I sinned and when I did, sin become a a master of my life. God gives me the will. I want to do the right thing. There's something that's changed in me because before he knew the law, before he knew God, he didn't care. He didn't know he was doing anything, but because the law came, he was sold into sin because of his actions and it's no longer him, but it's the sin that dwells in him. Remember, I I said a while ago that we get a new creation Y'all have heard that in scripture, when you become saved, we get a new life. Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell in us. Well, guess what? We don't lose the flesh. There becomes a inseparable twin. That's your second point. The inseparable twin. I want us to look at that. We all know about twins. There's two kinds of twins. There's identical twins that come out and they're exactly alike. Some people say they think alike at times. They definitely look alike at times. And then you have twins who are twins, but they're not identical. I believe our inseparable twin is a little bit of both of these because our inseparable twin on the outside looks identical. But on the inside, there is a difference between these two twins. On the one hand, you have the Holy Spirit, your new self. But we don't ever get rid of the old self. It clings to us. That's the other twin. Let's take a look. Verse 18, he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. There's the two right there. He says there's nothing dwells in him that's good in his flesh, in our sinful nature, in our created body. There is sin, and it will always be a battle, a struggle back and forth between the two. But it's not just that, that as a believer, he says, For the willing is present within me. The Holy Spirit's there. God gives us a will. He gives us a want to. If you have a desire to do good, that's God working in you. Trust me, it's not the devil. It's not the sin making you want to do good. There's two of us living in there, and that's why there's a constant battle and friction going on back and forth. He says that he knows, he's admitting And this is very important that nothing good dwells in our flesh. 
but the will is present, but the doing of the good is not. Tell you what, this sin is a powerful thing. And as much as we hate it, it's always there. I believe he says the the will to, to do right. How many of you have ever picked up your Bible to do a good thing and to open your Bible and to begin to read your Bible? And then all of a sudden your mind begins to be flooded with temptation. Temptation to go to sleep. Temptation to have impure thoughts. We want to go and we want to serve someone else. And on the way, thoughts begin to come into our head. When we're trying to do good, the battle begins. The will, we want to do the right thing. Let me just block it out, block it out, block it out. And I'm going to do good, but I just can't seem to. When I try to, the evil rears its ugly head and it comes upon me. He says, but the doing of the good is not. Verse 19, for the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want to. We all have a list of things we would like to do. Good things. But how often do the things of the world end up taking priority? I want to set aside more time to spend in God's word. Let me tell you what, you can get attacked. Sometimes it's mentally, all the time it's spiritually, and sometimes it's physically. I truly believe what I've been going through the last two weeks is a physical, spiritual battle. Because I have struggled within myself to begin to get out and to start visiting more. You know, this COVID really messed things up for everybody. And we get out of the habit of doing things. And your pastor has not been in the habit lately of going and visiting as much as he wanted to and checking up on people and writing letters like he used to. The Lord's convicted me of that. And the moment I begin to surrender to that, I become physically attacked. So I ask that y'all pray for me during this. But you see, when we want to do good, the very thing we want to do, we don't do. And we practice the very thing we don't want to do. I want to get out and see y'all more. I've had to recluse more than I wanted to. But I believe the Lord is working. So Paul here is struggling and he's writing to them, telling about this war that's going on. In verse 20 here again, he's coming to a conclusion. And he says, but if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it. But what? Sin which dwells in me. Twice he's come up with the same answer. If I want to do the right thing and I don't, why is that? Because sin dwells in us. I hope you begin to get a picture that even though you're a believer in Christ, you're still going to sin. You're not a failure. But God loves you. Let's look at his third way. He says, I find the principle, or your Bible might say, I find the law, small l, That evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. 
He says, all right, I've looked at everything that's going on. There's a struggle going on. I want to do good. I can't do good. I don't want to do evil. I, I do evil. It's the sin that's living in me. He says, so I found a principle. I found a, a law, which is translated into principle here, that evil is present in me. Would you all agree to yourself that evil is present in you? The moment you were born, evil was present in you. That doesn't make you a bad person. It makes us a sinner. We each have evil that's within us. He says, and this is where we get to the believer, the evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. If you don't want to do good, as soon as this service is over, you need to make your way as quickly as you can to the front. Let me share with you. Because if you have no desire to do good, I promise you the Lord's not in your life. Because he comes in and he changes you and he gives you a new desire and that desire is to honor him and to do him. He's not upholding the law. We can never uphold the law. If you want to try to take God's law and you want to do God's law to make you good, you done messed up. Because it's nothing that you can do. It's about what he's done. The law is good because it lets us know that we need a Savior. God provided the Savior, and he says that he has the want to do good, but he found the principle that there is evil in him still. Verse 22, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. There it is, the inner man in the heart. The law of God is in our heart. The law of God comes to dwell down in the inner man into who we are, what we want to do. So there is this battle that's going on because the inner man has the law in it and he understands. Verse 23, but I see a different law in the members of my body. See, in the inner man in his want to is good, but in his flesh is a waging war against the law of his mind and making me a prisoner of the law, sin, which is in my member. A waging war. He said, there's in myself, deep down in your gut, we might say, in who you are, in where you want to go in the law of God. But he says in the members of his body, in the flesh, there's a war going on because they don't want to do what the law says. And that makes him a prisoner to sin, which is in his member. Look over there at uh, Romans 6.13. It's not on the slides. Let me read it for you. It says, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. There's the battle. God saved us. We want to serve him, but we keep on doing the wrong thing. We should keep striving. If when you stop striving, you've lost Keep striving to do the right thing. Keep aiming to do the right thing. When you fall, get up, cry out to the Lord, get back up and keep going. He says, this is what it's all about, to keep on moving, to keep on going. You're going to be a prisoner. This is going to go on back and forth. You see, that's seeing the truth. 
He finally understands. He wants them to finally understand, hey, there's a battle going on and here's what the truth is. The truth is you have in your inner self the law of God. But in your flesh, you have sin. And there is a war. And church, I think the grim news to this is you will have this battle until the day you die and you become released from this flesh. Why as we grieve, I think, for ourselves when someone dies, I know the scripture talks about praising, that's hard to do. But they're the ones that has the victory, not us. They're free from the flesh. If they've had ailments of cancer, they're freed from that cancer. If they've had ailments of whatever, they're free from that. But the greatest thing of death is we get freed from this body of sin, which is corrupted with evil as believers. And we take on now the single soul nature of God himself that has come into us. We don't become God. Don't hear me wrong. But God declares us righteous and when we're separated from the evil flesh, we become glorified. We experience that holy separation and we become united with him. And let's look at surrendering to grace, church. That's the only way. Because we're going to continue to sin. That's not giving you a freedom to sin. But the fact is... There is sin within us. There is evil within us. And we're going to continue to do that. Look at verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Wretched, not a word we use very often. And one of the authors that I was reading and studying this gave a perfect picture. I think of what this wretched man that I am. He says, imagine a boxer who has spent his whole life training for a boxing match. He has sponsors. He has the hope of glory and fame. He, all the TV is going to be on. He's going to win that big metal belt. People are paying, I don't know how much, astronomical money to turn this on TV and to watch this. And he's going to win all of this money. And he goes into the battle. And the guy comes out and they make all their little announcements and they introduce this guy and they introduce the other fella. And round one and the blows begin. Have you ever seen, I mean sweat, people getting hit in the mouth and just slobber flying out everywhere, blood going everywhere, blood on the mat. The bell rings, they go in and they shoot some stuff in their eye to keep it open. They rinse out that mouth and spit it in the cup and ding, the bell rings and he comes back in for round two. And this goes on and this goes on. And as he's getting what we would say down in the South, he's getting the snot whooped out of him. And at round 15, He's laying in the center of this boxing ring with the mess beat out of him. Now picture this as the guy comes out. I don't know what is the ump or referee, whatever they call the guy in the center of the ring. And a couple of guys come over and they pick this guy that's had the tar beat out of him. And they stand him up and the Winner's over on the other side and they're holding him on both sides. 
The blood's just drooling off of him. He can't even stand, can't even see straight. Eyes swollen up. You've seen the picture. Not only has he been beat to death almost, but now his fame and his glory's gone because he lost. All to hear on national television the announcement of the winner, and it wasn't him. Church, that's the depiction of the wretched man. And that's who we are. We are in this battle, and it is nonstop. The blows come from the left. The blows come from the right. They come from the undercut. They come from the uppercut. They come from every direction. But in our flesh, we become wretched. And Paul's writing, who will set me free from the body of this death? There becomes a point that the good and the evil are battling so hard that it's who can set me free? What can deliver me from this? And he answers in 25 with the best words. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The only one who can separate us is Jesus Christ. This wretched man. Thanks be to God. He says, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law. Buddy, up here, we we can do it. Uh, We're champions. In our mind, we want to serve. We're doing so great. But he says, on the other, there it is. With my flesh, the law of sin. My mind, I'm ready to go. We wake up in the morning, amen, we're all set to go. We spend our time with God, we get up and we take off, and then our flesh kicks in, and there comes another blow. Back and forth, this battle all of our life. Why on this earth, oh wretched man that I am, picture yourself looking in the mirror and seeing your face after 15 rounds of a boxing match. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to leave you on that note. God doesn't leave us on that note. He said, thanks be to God and through Jesus Christ, the moment we die, what we see in that mirror changes to a reflection of perfection. And the one that's been in the 15 rounds of the battle is Satan himself. Oh, wretched man that he is, he'll never get delivered. So what is it in our life? What what does all of this mean? The same thing we've seen three times. That even though we're believers, we have a will to do right. We still have sin. As long as we are living in this flesh, we still have a sin nature. The devil still makes us do it. But the answer is God, and one day we'll be with him. The answer to all of this, how can we live knowing that we know the right thing and we do the wrong thing? Does that not condemn us right away? The best answer you ever heard you're going to hear next week. 
as we open up in Romans chapter 8 and we get the rest of the story. May you bow your heads. I want you to hear two things out of the sermon today, or a couple. One is that if you have a will and a desire in your life to do right, to do good according to God's law, then that's a good thing in your life. But I want you to also understand that whether you want to or not, you have an evil bend toward sin. And there's a struggle. We should be growing as believers and and aiming to be more like Christ every day of our life. But what I want you to understand is because you still sin doesn't mean God doesn't love you. He loved you enough that when you even hated him, he sent his son to die for you. Today, I want you to keep your heads held high as we walk through this life understanding that we're going to sin. It's a sin nature within us. Yes, Satan made us do it, but we cannot relinquish the responsibility because we had a choice and we chose because of our flesh to sin. That's what Paul said. He said he was sold into bondage. All of us were. You got a twin that follows you now that you're a new creation. It's a sin But oh, how God loves and he forgives. And we must run to him daily. We must run to him daily, church, to seek his forgiveness, to seek his love. God's word tells us that while you might be struggling with sin, you're wanting to do the right thing and you can't, you're no different than anyone else in that nature. Even the great apostle Paul that wrote majority of the New Testament, he dealt with the very same thing. God can use you. Know that we'll never be perfect, but we can sure aim and we can sure strive to be the perfect and the holy one. Father God, I thank you for your love. Father God, would you speak to us now? In this very moment, Father, we just seek after you. If you would just stand where you are, I'm going to ask that you leave your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm just praying that you would pray to Holy Spirit. Maybe you struggle with this sin and it's because you've never come to Christ. You know, if you have no desire in your life or if you have lost the desire, let me speak with you today. Maybe you just need to come to these altars this morning and just lift up to the Lord. Maybe you need to praise him and say, thank you, God, that your word tells me that I'm okay. I thought I was the only one that struggled like this. Maybe you need to come and say, Father, I'm struggling bad. I need your help. What's the Spirit speaking? What's he saying to you this morning? 
Whatever it may be this morning, if you would just like for me to pray for you, if you just slip up your hand, I don't need to know exactly. God will know what's in your heart. If you just want me to pray for you this morning, if you just slip up your hand. Anyone else? Amen. Anybody else? Father God, Lord, we come to you in the holiness of this moment. Father, in the sacredness of this moment. Father, in your all-knowing knowledge. Father, you know the hearts of those who lifted their hands. Father, that's what I love about you. You know. Father, I don't have to know to lift them up. You know, Father, but their act of lifting their hand said, I need you, Father. I'm dependent upon you. Father, maybe it's a praise. Would you receive that this morning? Father, if there's a need, Lord, step in, Father, in a way that only you can. And Father, we give you the glory and the honor. And we say thank you for answered prayers. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name.